Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thank you for joining me here on this episode. Grateful for you. Glad to have you with me on the podcast. And before we jump into the specific content of the podcast, if I could just be a little personal for a second. Over the last few months, we've had some rather large and unexpected expenses that have impacted us. And once again, the Lord has demonstrated his faithfulness his people have demonstrated their care and, you know, the, the ministry, this online ministry is, as I've noted um, multiple times, largely funded by the generosity and the donations of people. And what I can predict that comes in each month is not enough to cover expenses. We still aren't fully funded in that sense. And so it's not always clear exactly how in the world we're going to make ends meet. And then when we get large unexpected expenses... It is uh, often, you know, like, well, wow, man, that's, you know, that's challenging, right? And yet, once again, as always, over the course of my life, God has always provided for us and cared for us. And so over the last couple of months, we've had some of those expenses. And then there's been uh, just some gener- generosity from people that, uh, um, you know, was unexpected as well. Uh, there were oper- speaking opportunities and uh, they were... Uh, they were generously supported and paid for. And so the Lord's just been really faithful and really good. Uh, you all have been really faithful, really generous. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you for that and uh, making sure my family and I are taken care of. So thanks a ton for that. Thanks for all of you who support in whatever way you can, big, small. Um, I just deeply appreciate that. You're the ones that make this ministry possible. And uh, I'm continually amazed and surprised at how God is using the Bible and Life podcast, the listeners' commentary, the online courses, just to impact people all around the world. It's so surprising to me uh, to see uh, somebody mentioned the other day, asked me the question, so like, is your podcast listened to on every single continent? I'm like, I, I don't know. So I actually checked that this morning. And yeah, it, it is. Every continent except Antarctica. Uh, I suppose there are people on Antarctica at the, uh, you know, weather and science stations, but uh, they apparently don't listen to my podcast. But everywhere else, people are listening to this podcast, to the listener's commentary, and all of that is made possible because of your guys' faithful prayers and generous support. So thanks a ton for that, and thank you for being such a blessing to me and a blessing to people that we will probably never know in what way you are blessing them through this ministry and through your support and your prayers. So thank you so much. Just wanted to say that as we begin this particular episode. All right, over the last a couple of weeks, we have just been answering questions that have come at me from various places, emails that I've gotten uh, from my daughter or my daughter-in-law, from my son or son-in-law, from my grandkids, uh, just questions I've gotten, Bible questions, theology questions, um, and we've just been answering some of those. And this particular topic today is near and dear to my heart, and it's one that I am re- repeatedly surprised at how much confusion there is about this topic. Here's the topic. What is the mission of the church? What is what is the mission of the church? And like I said, I am 
repeatedly surprised that there's any confusion about this. Not just that there's any confusion about this, how much confusion there is about this. In fact, I'm part of a Facebook group of self-confessed Bible nerds. Like These are people who read the Bible, study the Bible, dig into the Bible. They listen to lots of Bible teaching podcasts, right? These are self-confessed Bible nerds. And one of the admins of the group actually asked this question, what would you say is the mission of the church? And since this is something I'm so curious about, I actually uh, thought, oh, this could be interesting. I'd love to see what people say. And once again, I was surprised by the variety of answers and the amount of confusion. Let me just read you some of the things that was said in this Facebook group on on this question. What is the mission of the church? Here's some of the answers. To love Jesus and love others and to bring heaven on earth, the two greatest commandments in the Lord's Prayer. Or another one, we're kingdom people. We follow the Messiah and his teachings to show love and compassion like he does, to forgive radically like he does, to strive to rule this world the way he intended. Or here's another one, Uh, to partner with Christ in the uniting of heaven and earth once again, setting an example with our lives and gathering followers along the way. Uh, Here's someone else said, we're to be a signpost and an instrument of God's reign. Uh, We are to declare the good news, administer the sacraments, and make Christ-like disciples. Uh, Connect with God, connect with others, connect others with God. I'm guessing that's someone's uh, church's uh, mission statement or something like that. Um, and then uh, someone else said, well, to be before we determine the mission of the church, you have to be clear on what the church is and what the church is not. It's not a building with masses of people. Okay. All right. That doesn't tell us what the mission of the church is, but there you go. Um, and over and over again, there were all sorts of answers to this. Um, someone said to be the group of people that are set apart for God by willingly receiving and living in God's blessing in order that we might be a vehicle of God's blessing to the world. Um, and then someone else said, I would say that the church doesn't actually have a mission. The church is God's mission. It doesn't have one. Um, someone else said we're supposed to alert people to the universal reign of God in Christ. Um, now, you There's a whole bunch of other things that were said in this group. Here's the thing. Some of those things are great. Some of them are somewhat accurate. They're they're important, right? I'm not saying any of those things are wrong in the sense of being unbiblical or being unimportant, right? Some of those things are good, but they're not um, what Jesus said is the mission of the church. They might be effects of the mission of the church. They might be uh, part of the mission of the church. They might be one of the ways the mission of the church is experienced, but they're not the overall mission of the church. So what is the mission of the church? This is not confusing. This is not something we should have to even wonder about. Uh, there should be complete agreement, complete uh, unanimity about this among Jesus's people. We we don't even get to invent, you know, the mission of the church. We don't get to make up our own mission of the church. In fact, when I was uh, on staff at different churches, right, it, it always perplexed me when we would say, we need to come up with a mission statement. We don't need to come up with a mission statement. We've been given a mission statement. So we just need to restate that clearly and succinctly, right? Like we don't get to invent or make up or come up with our own mission statement. Jesus already told us what the mission of the church is. He made it crystal clear. Uh, the gospel of Matthew 
makes it its final words, telling us what we're supposed to do. So here it is. Here's what Jesus said is the mission of the church. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It's the final words of Jesus right before he ascends back into heaven to take his seat on the throne of God over the kingdom of God. Um, This is what he says. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Notice that. Not some authority, most authority. All authority. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's been given all authority both in heaven and on earth. And so over all the spiritual powers, over the whole realm of earth, like he is the King of the universe. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he says, Go. Or literally, going, as you go about your life, it's a participle in Greek, going, therefore, because Jesus has all authority, here's what he wants us to do. Go and make disciples. There it is. Go and make disciples. We'll talk about making disciples a little bit more here in a second, but go and make disciples of all the nations. Uh, all over the world, because Jesus is in charge now. He's the king of heaven and earth. Let's reclaim the nations from the false gods and from uh, the lies and the darkness they've believed. Let's make disciples of them. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." That is the marching orders from King Jesus to his followers, to his church. That's our mission. Go and make disciples. And he says that, like, go and make disciples. And then he says, here's the two ways you do that. He gives two participles to describe how you make a disciple. How do you do that? Well, first, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because that's, that's the key step from going not a disciple to a disciple, from an unbeliever to a new follower of Jesus, what's the pathway for that? Like, what is the what is the line in the sand, the marker event? Well, it's being baptized. That's how you move from being a non-disciple to being a follower of Jesus. What marks it? Baptism. That's what embodies it, right? So that's what you do. And when you read through the book of Acts, that's what the... The apostles took them seriously. Read to the book of Acts. They're baptizing people all over the place in the book of Acts. Why? Because they were told to make disciples. And they were told when you do that, when someone moves from not being a disciple to being a follower of Jesus, they get baptized. In fact, Jesus doesn't say, go and make Christians. He says, go and make disciples. The word Christian shows up in the book of Acts for the first time from unbelievers to uh, believers. It's sort of like a way unbelievers describe them. These ones are like Christ ones. That's what Christian means. Christ ones or Messiah ones. They're like little messiahs. They, they, they believe in the Messiah, right? Like there's the Herodians in Israel who were supporters of Herod. Right? There's all these different little groups that had, well, these are the followers of the Messiah. They're Christ ones. So it was a way of describing groups of disciples. But Jesus told us, make disciples. How do you do that? You baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the first thing you do when you make a disciple. The second thing you do when you make a disciple, according to Jesus here, is you teach them to obey all that I commanded you. Notice that, not to know. It's not enough just to know what Jesus commanded. 
you got to obey. And so whatever teaching we do needs to aim towards helping people to do it, to obey what Jesus instructed, what he taught us, because he's the king. So what he says goes. And so we need to learn how to obey his instructions, his commands. That's the mission of the church right there. That's what Jesus told us. Again, there shouldn't be any confusion about this. This is simply what Jesus told us to do. This is what Jesus expects his disciples to do. This is what Jesus did. Jesus called disciples in his ministry. He called people to be his disciples. And then at at the end of his ministry here in Matthew 28, he tells those disciples, go and make more. Go and make more disciples. This is the mission of the church. And it's just weird to me that there's any confusion about this, like there's any wrestling with this or there's any lack of clarity uh, on exactly what the mission of the church is. Like there just shouldn't be confusion about it. Now, where I could understand some confusion or where I could understand some wrestling with uh, or maybe lack of clarity on is exactly what that means. Like, What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to make disciples? How do we do that? Okay, let's wrestle with that. Let's pray with us in our cultural context, in our environment, in our situation. What's the best way to make disciples? Let's figure that out. So I can get maybe, okay, we need to continually be revisiting that. But as to exactly what our mission is, zero questions. It's to make disciples. Uh, Now, when Jesus said... um, like go and make disciples, he, he had a very clear idea of the word disciple. What, what, is, what does the word disciple mean? And Jesus uh, lived in a, a context where there was a, a well-known, well-established meaning of the word disciple. In other words, Jesus had a very clear and very concrete idea in mind by the word disciple. It, it was, there, was a, there was a very specific picture that came to Jesus' mind, that came to the apostles' minds, that came to his first followers' minds. When they heard, make disciples, they all had a very clear image in mind because there was a cultural context that established that. Um, what was that cultural context? Well, it was the rabbi... Uh, Talmud, the rabbi-disciple relationship among the Jews of Jesus' day. In fact, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus, in an illustration, in part of his teaching, just assumes this idea of the word disciple from his educational and cultural context. Let me read you. Luke 6.40 says this, This is in a larger block of teaching. This is an illustration within that block of teaching. So, uh, but Jesus just assumes what happens with a disciple. So this is the way it's translated. Verse 40 of Luke chapter six. A student is not above the teacher, but everyone, when he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, the word translated student is the word mathetes in Greek. In Hebrew, it would have been Talmud. It's the word for disciple. Uh, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's been fully trained, will be like his teacher. When you hear the word student, what do you see? What picture comes to your mind? I know in my cultural context here in the United States of America, what, what typically we envision is a classroom at a school Uh, Students are gathered in that classroom, 
usually at desks or in some sort of rows, maybe at tables. Facing forward, there's a whiteboard, maybe a a TV monitor or a screen. There's a place for a teacher to stand up front. The teacher is going to uh, instruct the students. The students are going to take notes. Usually that's the way it works, right? The teacher talks. Uh, the students take notes. They write down those notes or they type up those notes. Um, and so they take notes. Why do they take notes? Because they've got to learn the information. Why do they have to learn the information? So that when the teacher gives them the test in a few weeks, they can appropriately reproduce the information on the test, demonstrate that they've acquired the information, get a passing grade so that they can pass the class. And if they do that with all their classes over the course of their study, they will graduate and they'll get their degree. <clears throat> That's the educational model uh, of that, that I grew up with that most of us have grown up with. And so when we hear the word student... Typically, we picture somebody who is learning information from a teacher. But in the rabbi-disciple relationship, that's not what it was at all. That's why we need to hear what Jesus says here and pay close attention and then set it in his context so we can understand what he's actually telling us to do when he says make disciples. He says a disciple, a mathetes, a disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone, that is every disciple, when he has been fully trained, when he has been, like he's arrived at the end of his training, notice that, it's not just education for the sake of getting a degree or anything like that. Training, every disciple, when he's been fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's the key word there. We'll be like his teacher. This is how a rabbi-disciple relationship worked. This was the expectation. The goal was not just to acquire the information so you could pass the test, so you could say, look, I've learned the material. That was not the goal, um, right? Rabbis did not have students raising their hands say, will this be on the test like I had in my classroom when I taught students? That's just not the way it worked for them. Instead, the goal was, yes, to learn some information, but that was only a means to a greater end. The greater end was putting the information into practice, taking it deeply into your heart, mind, and soul so that you were formed around it so that the end result was you would become like your teacher. That's the way it worked. A disciple was somebody who attached themselves to a rabbi because they admired that rabbi's way of life. They admired that rabbi's way of uh, handling the Torah. They admired that rabbi's way of relating to God and his understanding of the scriptures. So they attached themselves to that rabbi in order to, to learn what he knew so that they could become like him. And so they followed him around. They watched what he did. They, they watched how he got up. They watched how he studied the scriptures. They watched how he prayed. They watched how he interacted with people. And the whole goal was to become like the rabbi. That's the way it worked. So in the case of disciples of Jesus, he would be our rabbi. And we've attached ourselves to him to learn from him so that we could become like him. That's why in Matthew 28, he says, teach them to obey everything I've instructed you. Why? Because that's Jesus' way of life. That's Jesus' values. You don't just acquire the information. You actually put it into practice so you can become like the rabbi. And so disciples of Jesus 
catch this, disciples of Jesus are people who have rearranged their life to be with Jesus in order to become like Jesus. That's what a disciple means. It means rearranging your life to be with Jesus in order to become like Jesus. He's the master, and he's going to teach us his ways. He's going to enable us and empower to be and empower us to become like him as we do life with him. That's what it means to live as a disciple. This is the picture that Jesus had very clearly in mind when he said, go and make disciples. Make disciples of Jesus. And this is why, for example, the Apostle Paul can say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, imitate me as I imitate Jesus, right? Like Paul himself being trained as a rabbi, he knew how it worked. He had been a disciple of rabbis and he understood. And so he's saying, look, I, since Jesus physically isn't here, I'm like a clear down to earth, concrete example of following Jesus. So insofar as I follow Jesus, you follow me, you imitate me. And he says that kind of stuff repeatedly in his letters to his churches. Um, That's what Jesus means when he says, go and make disciples. He's calling us as followers of him to help other people become followers of him. And when what that means then is not just that they say they're a Christian and that they go to church. It means they are intentionally learning from Jesus how to become like Jesus. And insofar as we've learned that from Jesus, we're modeling it for them. We're showing it to them. Uh, that's what it means to be a disciple. And that is the mission of the church. And when that happens, some of these other things that were posted in this Facebook group will happen. We will display the kingdom of God. But the way we do that is by discipleship to Jesus. That's why that's central. Um, We will love others and we will love God, right? We will show people what God is like. We will be a blessing to the people around us. But the way that happens is through discipleship. So those other things are effects of or results of discipleship to Jesus. But the means of them is making disciples of Jesus, living as disciples of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus, embodying the way of Jesus, putting into practice the teachings of Jesus so that we then can show people who Jesus is and what he's like. That's our mission. We have no other mission, and there should be no confusion about that because Jesus made it crystal clear. Well, there's a lot more that could be said about that, things about how churches can do that effectively, things that uh, help in that. But that at least answers the question, what is the mission of the church? We could process some of the other stuff. If you guys have questions or you want to shoot me questions about that, I would love to process some of that stuff with you. If you're a pastor and you're like, man, I want my church to do a better job of that. I've got a lot of ideas and thoughts on that that uh, might be useful. So maybe feel free to reach out to me and I would love to um, process some of that with you. But uh, that is the mission of the church. Go and make disciples. We have no other mission. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thanks again to all of you who make this ministry possible. If you want to join the team of supporters, there's a link down in the notes below, or you could just go to johnwhitaker.net slash give, johnwhitaker.net slash give, and you can set up a one-time or a monthly recurring donation. And currently, 
anyone who sets up a recurring monthly donation to my ministry, I'm giving free access to the Listener's Commentary Study Hub, where I'm just putting tons of Bible study resources so that you don't have to jump all over the internet looking for stuff to help you understand Bible passages or study specific books and then wonder, is this even reliable? I'm trying to put more and more stuff inside the Study Hub. So if you set up a monthly donation, I'll give you free access to the Study Hub. All right, may God bless you. May he watch over you. May you walk with Jesus as his disciple. May you have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you again next week.